0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: It's a learning process again here at the Three Martini Lunch. Uh, Glad you're with us. Your stool awaits. We have bad, crazy, and crazy martinis today. Uh, Jim, for a purpose other than Three Martini Lunch, I'm actually back in the office today. First time I'm in the studio since mid-March. And I've either forgotten how to do stuff or the stuff that used to work doesn't. Uh, so it's a, a bit of a scramble here. I was clearing out the bites from the last time we did the show from the office, and they were clips from Biden and Sanders at their debate, which was less than three months ago.
2: I, I, I'm sure if I looked at my notes for that day, Greg, I'd see, you know, economy roaring, <laughs> key element of reelection. election uh, you know, Hong Kong looking exciting, might want to travel there big hopes for for the nationals this season in in baseball all kinds of useful notes that you know yeah. from this other world we were living in back then
1: yeah no doubt i mean now you can understand why marty mcfly bought the sports almanac and back to the future too i mean you can't predict this stuff so unless you can Get a Delorean somehow. Uh, there's not going to be a, a lot of way to figure out what's going to happen next, but let's talk about what is happening at least today. Uh, no good martinis, as I mentioned, but let's start with the bad, and uh, we'll get to explaining exactly why this is uh, bad in just a moment. But uh, Jim Mattis has spoken out. General Mattis, Mad Dog Mattis. And did you know, Jim, that Trump gave him that nickname? He didn't have it for, for years before that. But uh, Mattis so he's is on
2: Twitter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Mattis is speaking out. He's appalled by Trump's handling of. Um, the protests in Washington DC this is in the Atlantic Uh, a few different paragraphs from his statement here he starts out by saying I've watched this week's unfolding events angry and appalled the words equal justice under law are carved in the pediment of the United States Supreme Court this is precisely what protesters are rightly demanding it is a wholesome and unifying demand one that all of us should be able to get behind we must not be distracted by a small number of lawbreakers The protests are defined by tens of thousands of people of conscience who are insisting that we live up to our values, our values as a people and our values as a nation. When I joined the military some 50 years ago, I swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution. Never did I dream that troops taking that same oath would be ordered under any circumstance to violate the constitutional rights of their fellow citizens much less to provide a bizarre photo op for the elected commander-in-chief with military leadership standing alongside. And then later on, he says... Uh, Donald Trump is the first president in my lifetime who does not try to unite the American people does not even pretend to try instead he tries to divide us we are witnessing the consequences of three years of this deliberate effort we are witnessing the consequences of three years without mature leadership we can unite without him drawing on the strengths inherent in our civil society this will not be easy as the past few days have shown but we owe it to our fellow citizens to past generations that bled to defend our promise and to our children. And Jim, obviously, this statement, like so many others in our politics today, is a Rorschach test. Whatever you think of Trump, you either think this is a phenomenal statement. Why didn't you say this sooner if you don't like Trump? Uh, if you do like Trump, obviously, it's going to be, uh, look at Mattis uh, trying to, to pile on here at a difficult time in America, uh, sniping from the cheap seats, uh on, on and on and on. Basically, What you think of the statement is what you think of Trump. But you say there's more to this and and why this is a bad martini.
2: Yeah, there are probably some listeners who are asking right now, wait a second. Jim is always fuming about Trump. He's always criticizing the president. You might be wondering why this is the bad martini. Well, let me explain it to you. Um, James Mattis agreed to work for President Trump as Secretary of Defense. Uh, This is a I agree with a lot of his assessment. I think the criticism is fair. I think the criticism is accurate. But as it is, it is a written statement to uh, The Atlantic, and you know how much I love them. <laughs> um, and apparently, some further comments to uh, the editor over there. But I'd, I'd really like to see uh, former Secretary of Defense James Mattis do some sort of interview, um, and preferably with a reporter or, or someone who is not always a huge fan, because I think this requires follow up. I think this requires a little bit of challenge to. Uh, Secretary of Defense Mattis and and, and former Secretary of Defense. And I I say this as a fan of the man. I say this as a guy who thinks he is a a fine public servant and certainly is going to go down in history as one of the most beloved military leaders of of recent memory. Um, Because who did James Mattis think Donald Trump was back when he agreed to work for him? Can he really say he was that shocked by the kind of man President Trump has been? What did he see uh, then that he didn't see now? Or what does he see now that he didn't see then? Um, it, pretty clearly, there were periodic reports of tension between Mattis and Trump. Um, but I guess kind of a fair question is, you know, his, his letter was uh, pretty, You know, it, it certainly hinted a lot, a lot of people read between the lines that there was an implied uh, criticism of the president, he certainly didn't say anything crediting the president for uh, any of his decisions or something, but it, it was kind of, I wonder, look, if you genuinely believe that this president is a menace to the people and a menace to the Constitution, which is pretty much the argument from Mattis, one, don't you have an obligation to come out and say so when you think it? Right? I mean, you know, Mattis served about two years and then he has spent the last year or so in you know, kind of veiled comments. He has kind of hinted that he disagreed strongly with the president, but he really hasn't been outspoken. And a lot of people are interpreting this as the dam has burst. Well, okay, it's it's early June 2020. Um, If Mattis has felt this way for a long time, did it serve the country well for him to suppress his opinion and suppress his feelings? Because you can it's one thing to say, no, I think the president's making the wrong decision on this policy or that policy. If you believe this president intends to divide us, right? If you believe that he is not a mature leader, uh, you believe he is deliberately trying to exacerbate tensions in this country. Well, that's not just a routine policy disagreement. That's a really big deal. Um, Did Mattis feel this way during the impeachment process? And if he had spoken out during the impeachment process, would some Republican senators have voted differently? Um, Mattis is going to get a lot of credit and hosannas and cheers for this statement. But I think I'd like to see a little more follow up and a sense of like, okay, um, Secretary Mattis, what was it now? Was it this Trump going across Lafayette Square to the church? And, and, you know, if that was a straw that broke the camel's back. okay, well, what about all those other straws? Um, If you've tolerated everything right up until that moment. But now you can't. Well, I, I kind of not sure I completely see the logic in that, but it's his life. He can make his own decisions. Um, but also, I think I figure enough. Their kind of natural follow up would be, you know, who will you be voting for in November 2020? Because certainly the implication of this is Joe Biden, although he doesn't say so explicitly. And, you know, those who have read Madison's autobiography know he had real disagreements with the Obama administration. And I think it's pretty clear that he was not, you know, he didn't say, you know, we offered no leadership and direction. I left my post deeply disturbed. We had shaken our friends' confidence and created vacuums our adversaries would exploit. Except for Joe Biden. Joe Biden was okay. No, that part doesn't end there. Right? So um, does he believe that Biden is the lesser of two evils? Does he believe that Biden is, you know, deeply flawed but you know better than the president? I, I suppose he probably should say that. But if you know, for a guy whose you know, reputation is built on blunt honesty. You and I used to periodically joke about tears in his eyes and his negotiations with Iraqi leaders, you know. Yes. Um, I think that there's been a little bit of uh, a a political tone to this and to the way he's managed his disagreements with the president. I think if you are likely, if you you sense pending serious disagreements with the president, well, maybe you shouldn't go work for him. And if you do work for him and you find those disagreements being so serious, well, you probably should resign as, as soon as you no longer feel like you can execute your duties. Perhaps that's the way Mattis sees these things. But then to remain silent this long, I, you know, and, and then to, you know, it feels like there's a lot, a lack of internal consistency and logic to what Mattis has done. So I hope he does this follow-up interview. Maybe his answers would make a lot of sense. We will see. Um, my fear, though, is that he's done, he's given this statement to The Atlantic. He's taken a couple questions from Jeffrey Goldberg. And that'll be the end of what we hear from Mattis uh, for this cycle. And I think... A little more follow up and a little more conversation is necessary in this situation.
1: Jim, other than present company, who would you recommend conduct this interview? Because uh, anyone generally hostile to the president will make it a love fest. Um, maybe Brett Baer. I mean, who else would you really yeah, uh, expect I was to do say, a good interview? Chris here?
2: Wallace comes to mind. It doesn't even necessarily be someone who look, people who are critical of the president can still ask tough questions of matters, or at least I'd like to think so. Um, I think anybody who is interested in more than the headline, even James Mattis doesn't approve of the president's actions because anybody who's been paying attention have sensed that James Mattis has not approved of the president's actions for quite some time. Um, I, I I didn't think Jeffrey Goldberg was going to give a lot of pushback against Mattis and say, why are you doing this now? What changed? Where was this for the last three and a half years? Um, so anybody who would who would approach Mattis with that kind of tone, I'd appreciate, you know, Bear stands out. Wallace stands out. Uh, yeah, maybe Catherine Herridge. You know, any of those former Pentagon correspondents.
1: All right. Well, let's talk about some more good news. And that's for Patriots, where you can find them at forpatriotscom slash Martini and find all the great deals, including getting a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000 X. satisfaction guaranteed. Visit 4Patriots.com slash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4Patriots.com slash martini. That's 4Patriots.com slash martini. All right, Jim. Two crazy martinis uh, remain ahead of us here, and I think both of them can fall under the umbrella of, you're not allowed to think that. And so we're going to talk, first of all, about Tom Cotton and the New York Times. The New York Times opinion pages, of course, Jim, are just full of uh, conservative columnists and ideas. And no, that's not the way it is at all. It's mostly liberals. I mean, Brett Stevens and David Brooks pass as the conservatives over there at the New York Times. But they did decide to publish a column by Tom Cotton, a former Army officer. Uh, He's also, of course, a senator from Arkansas. And he has been pretty aggressive been trying to do what's necessary to get these protests uh, to stop being violent and so one of the things he's called for and it's certainly worth debate uh, is having active duty troops at the ready in case they are needed beyond the National Guard and so you got a lot of people worried about that uh, on all sides of the aisle you know they got the Posse Comitatus Act of 1878 you're not supposed to use military troops uh, in in domestic disturbances, but uh, Tom Cotton thinks it might be necessary in this case. So he writes a column. The New York Times publishes it on their opinion page. People just go nuts, including people who work for The New York Times, who are actually apoplectic about this and now saying, Jim, my favorite thing is that some of their anonymous sources, at least three of them now say they're no longer going to work for The New York Times because of this decision to print this. So because a contrary opinion ended up on the opinion page, we just can't have that, Jim. We have to cancel.
2: You know, Greg, for about three years now, we've been told that it's never been more important to support the free press, not just to read it, not just to be engaged, but to even more importantly, to, you know, to support it, to subscribe, because if you don't, you know, then the lies win. Democracy dies in darkness as the Washington Post warns us. Um, unless, of course, you, um, you know, don't don't agree with an op-ed page, then you should cancel your subscription. <laughs> then then this doesn't count. Then it's not worth supporting it. Never mind the fact that, like, you know, you're you can by the way, you can write to the letter of the editor and say, you know, dear editor, you shouldn't have run that op-ed. It's a terrible one. Um, that's, that's, you know, speech is meeting speech. If New York times, uh, you know, staff, even though they want to, you know, still claim that they're, you know, objective and fair and nonpartisan and all that stuff, if they vehemently disagree with that, you know, if, if the company policy is fine with it, fine. Um, I don't think you, you know, there's any guesses that most people at the New York, at the New York Times would disagree with this. By the way, I want to point out that, that op-ed I would have no problem running it. I think if I were an editor I would have asked Cotton if you could add a paragraph clarifying his view on whether the president can and should deploy the National Guard when state and local officials do not want them there. Cuz that's a real question, right? If you know, if everybody's in agreement with it, fine. That's that's, you know, that's uh, what we've seen in plenty of places. That's what happened in uh, George H.W. Bush in California in the LA riots back in 1992. That's almost the easy choice. If everybody's on the same page and says, yes, send in the National Guard, that's fine. Oh, by the way, National Guard has been deployed about 23 different states. Uh, actually, I, I say deployed. They've been told to activate. They may or may not be on the streets, and you don't necessarily have to use the National Guard in a situation where they will be confronting protesters or rioters. You can use them in support roles so that you free up cops to do the actual interaction with uh, looters, rioters, protesters, etc. cetera. Cotton kind of glides over this. He makes a comment or two about politicians hand wringing while cities burn. So he certainly kind of implies he would support deploying the military in, uh, in the, over the objections of mayors and, and governors. Look, I think we could all agree that if the National Guard is going to have to do something like this. You'd like to have the local cops and the state police, you know, in agreement, working in cooperation with this. Uh, so even the, you know, the editors, of the editorial board of National Review said they not. You know, that's kind of a prerequisite there and it appears it hasn't happened in these cases. But anyway, Cotton writes this op-ed, and there seems to be this idea that if you uh, your op-ed appears on the editorial page of the New York Times, that the, the newspaper is effectively endorsing it in some way. People went back and checked back in the 1930s. The New York Times ran an op-ed by Adolf Hitler. They have run op-eds by Vladimir Putin. They have run heads by all kinds of foreign leaders who are horrible people with lots of blood on their hands. I think the New York Times would be quick to emphasize they do not agree with everything that is said and is not meant to be an endorsement. So if you think there is a really terrible viewpoint that should not flourish, that should not be spread, there are two approaches you can make. You can decide to try to suppress it. You can try to deny oxygen. Um, Greg, as far as I know, does the New York Times ever run an op-ed by the head of the uh, Flat Earth Society? I have no idea. <laughs> right. I mean, there, there's a it is a minority viewpoint in the United States or in the world that is a flat. The world is flat. Uh, I believe Tom Friedman subscribes to that. Uh, <laughs> hot, flat, crowded. This is characteristic. So, you know, the world is not round. If you think this is a crazy viewpoint and you don't want it to get more oxygen, so to speak, and you don't want this idea to flourish, you can say we're not going to run this op-ed on this. Well, first of all, polling generally supports, it indicates that uh, the, the both the general public and by the way, Democrats believe the National Guard should be called out and or military forces should be called out to stop looting, to stop rioting, to stop violence. Now you can argue that they're wrong, that those majorities are wrong, but you probably ought to engage it. You probably ought to say, here's why I think that is, denying that this viewpoint exists is not gonna do you much good. So that's the question, what is the purpose of your op-ed page? People might say, hey, you know, I don't see a lot of viewpoints, uh, you know, uh, of liberal viewpoints expressed at National Review. Correct. We're, we're a conservative magazine. Now, how that conservatism gets expressed can come out in all kinds of different ways. You can get libertarians, you can get social conservatives, you can get, uh, you know, nationalists, America first, who are quasi-isolationists. You can get interventionists, you can get... Uh, a wide variety of viewpoints, the idea that you know, you're going to hear a lot of, of, of disagreement and differing views at National Review, but you're not going to see the traditional liberal progressive viewpoint. If the New York Times wants to say, we are a liberal publication, we exist to promote progressive ideas and the liberal agenda, and this is what we're about, and therefore we are not going to ever have you know conservative viewpoints on our page. David Brooks, you got to go. Ross, do that. You got to go. Brett Stevens, you got to go. And I can hear all your listeners saying, come on, they're not that conservative. <laughs> by New York by New York Times standards, they're like arch-right conservatives. But anyway, um, you're going to, you know, if they want to say it, fine, then say so. And, you know, conservatives would then hopefully stop complaining. And they would also admit, we are a liberal institution. We are a progressive institution. We exist to help one side of the political spectrum. We are not there to inform people of all the news, whether it's good, whether it's good for our side or bad. But the New York Times doesn't want to do that. And they've decided that they want to, you know, hold on to this And it's very, you know, very clear a significant portion of New York Times employees do not believe that their institution should be primarily focused on all the news that's fit to print, which was their slogan for lots of years. They believe their purpose is to only publish viewpoints that they like and that anything that is one iota to the right of them, it's not merely, you know, uh, disagreeable or, or reprehensible or something. It is de facto violence that must be stopped. Remember, the slogan of the left these days is very often, my violence is a form of speech,
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Group void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. plus. There's more than one episode of this going on right now. Let's move over to the NFL. Uh, Drew Brees, of course, is a record-setting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, Super Bowl champion. I think he has still the most total yards and most total touchdowns, although Tom Brady's not too far behind. Yesterday, Drew Brees did an interview with uh, Dan Roberts from Yahoo. And, of course, this whole issue of uh, police brutality and uh, marching for equality came up. And uh, Dan Roberts asked about, you know, are we going to see more kneeling during the anthem? Probably so. What do you think about that? Here's the entire exchange.
0: Kaepernick's protests from a few years ago and obviously they were always about police brutality and now it's coming back to the fore and a lot of people expect that we will see players kneeling again even when the NFL season starts I'm curious how you think the NFL will and should respond to that and of course you're such a leader in the league uh what is your responsibility as a leader uh in times like this for the rest of your teammates and and players in the league well I, I will I will never agree with anybody um disrespecting the flag of the United States of America or our country. Um, let me let me just tell you what I see or what I feel when the national anthem is played. And when I look at the, the flag of the United States, I envision my two grandfathers who fought for this country during World War II, one in the army and one in the Marine Corps, both risking their lives to protect our country and to try to make our country and this world a better place. So every time I stand with my hand over my heart, looking at that flag and singing the national anthem, that's what I think about. And in many cases, it brings me to tears, thinking about all that has been sacrificed, not just those in the military, but for that matter, those throughout the civil rights movements of the 60s and everyone and all that has been endured by so many people up until this point. And is everything right with our country right now? No, it's not. We still have a long way to go. But I think what you do by standing there and showing respect to the flag with your hand over your heart is it shows unity. It shows that we are all in this together. We can all do better. And that we are all part of the solution.
1: Jim, you would have thought Drew Brees dressed up like Ralph Northam with the reaction that uh, we saw yesterday. Uh, LeBron James. Wow, man. Is it still surprising at this point? Sure isn't. You literally still don't understand why Cap was kneeling on one knee? Has absolute nothing to do with the disrespect of the flag and our soldiers, men and women who keep our land free. My father-in-law was one of those. Men who fought as well for this country. I asked him a question about it and thank him all the time for his commitment. He never found Cap's peaceful protest offensive because he and I both know what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. God bless you. Doug Baldwin, formerly of the Seahawks. This is uh, perhaps the most over the top. Drew Brees, the reason my children have to live in a world that won't empathize with their Pain is because people like you are raising your children to perpetuate the cycle. Drew, you are the problem. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had a statement. Uh, three of his teammates had uh went out publicly condemning him. Malcolm Jenkins, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, all pretty critical members of the Saints, I would add. Uh, and on and on, cancel Drew Brees. I mean, it was just an avalanche here. And anybody who knows Drew Brees knows what role he played in helping to rebuild New Orleans, not just in terms of morale, because the Saints did really well in the wake of that, but because of how active he was in the community, fundraising, getting involved, uh, regardless of color. I mean, Drew Brees' commitment to the city of New Orleans is legendary, Jim. And now, of course, as a result of all this, perhaps because of the blowback from his own teammates. He's now apologized on Instagram to his friends, teammates, the city of New Orleans, the black community, talks about how he realizes uh, that there needs to be uh, a push for greater equality, and then he asks for forgiveness. And so uh, Drew Brees, I think, showing a strong um, sensitivity there and, and trying to make sure that he doesn't become a divisive point, Jim. But I think it's just amazing that a week ago, we were all united in demanding justice for George Floyd here, and now we've gone from, you can't stay silent because that's a, you're part of the problem then, and now you have to speak up, but you have to speak up in a way that agrees with the narrative, and the narrative now, at least part of it is, is that Colin Kaepernick is a hero, and anything that diverts from that makes you part of the problem, and this is why we can't get much done.
2: Well, Greg, first of all, let's point out that you and I were way ahead of the curve on this, saying that the Minnesota Vikings should be signing Colin Kaepernick. As well. <laughs> and we only had the best of intentions, and we had no ulterior motives in any way, shape, or form when we said that. Uh, if you wonder why some celebrities are just like disappear uh, during you know, times of, of, uh, of controversy, this is why. Uh, look, you can disagree with what Drew, Drew Brees said. I actually think that, you know, I actually, for, uh, out of all the criticism, I thought LeBron was semi reasonable, and I like that, God bless you, at the end of it. Um, you know, the, the idea is that you're mistaken. You are not seeing what Kurt, what Colin uh, Kaepernick said he was standing for. You're not hearing him correctly. Uh, your perception of what he was trying to do and what he was trying to say is wrong. Well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I think there are a lot of people who. Um, You could be kneeling during the national anthem with the absolute best of intentions and for the most noble cause in the world, and some people would still find that disrespectful, inappropriate, not the right time and place. We could rehash that whole argument, or you could just kind of observe that Drew Brees, nothing he's ever done before in his life counted the moment he was, the moment the, uh, the, the uh, the angry crowd came for them. No one cared what he had done for the city of New Orleans. No one cared what he had done after Hurricane Katrina. No one cared what he had done to help coronavirus patients. None of that mattered. That all of a sudden, you are the problem. Right, right. I'm sure Drew Brees is the problem. Um, if you wonder, you know, it's very fascinating that people keep saying, we need a dialogue in this country. We need we need to have an honest conversation. And then it happens, or it starts, and somebody says, you know, and then instantly everyone says, no, you're wrong. They try to shut him down, and they try to you know cancel him, you know all kind of stuff. You can't say you want the dialogue and then say anyone who disagrees must be punished. <laughs> those are not; those are not; uh, uh, those ideas cannot work together. And it'll be interesting to see if there's any lingering controversy with this. If any of the teammates have any lingering bad blood, I you'd hope it wouldn't come to that. You'd hope that you know. People would recognize okay drew Brees has this let's also make another observation drew Brees has been you know there are photos of him with donald trump i think in a luxury box at some event or something breeze is you know Brees is perceived as political whether or not he wants to be political um that probably is not fair that probably is not what is intended but that is the reality of this so if you're wondering why some people never speak or who will uh, you know, effectively hide and, and go dark on social media during times like this. It's because these are the potential consequences. These are the terms of the debate. It's not enough to en- engage. You must engage with precisely the way they want you to, or else you are indeed part of the problem or something. Um, it, is, it is a little bit frightening, a little bit of the forced confessions and, and the cultural revolution over in China and things like that struggle sessions and, and all of that stuff um the idea the other there's only one other aspect i would throw into this greg and i kind of wonder for anybody else who was out there who was jumping on drew Brees and saying he's the problem all that kind of stuff greg do you think any of them you know their team lost a game to drew Brees? <laughs> i'm sure they have maybe they were looking they they already had a bit of an axe to grind against this guy to begin with and now by with his comments he gave them the, the excuse they were looking for
1: Unbelievable! You
2: know we we rag on the Chinese a lot for
1: wasting weeks to tip us off on the coronavirus. Apparently, it took about eight or nine months for LeBron James' tongue to clear customs over there.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 and yeah. He found his voice again. Isn't that great? You know, yeah. But so we, oh, it's hey everybody. It's okay to care. It's okay to care about police brutality again. <laughs> right. Hong Kong, it's no Hong, Hong Kong police. Do whatever you got to do, but. Uh because nothing's going on in Hong Kong these days, right? No, not at all. Apparently you don't
1: have to uh, consult any ancient uh, history professors to to comment on this particular controversy. So, (laughs) amazing. Jim, I'll be back in the home office tomorrow, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, see you then. Have a good day.
2: All right. Be careful out there, Greg.
1: Thanks. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a kind review with five stars. Also, get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. And most of all, join us on Friday for the next Three Martini Lunch.